Welcome, 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 welcome to the fifth episode of Pints of Football. We are back from our week-long hiatus. Club football was away for a week and so were we. And Imanshu, in the week that we were away, both Tottenham and Bayern Munich ended up sacking their managers. Tottenham may be not so surprising, Bayern totally out of the blue. Yep, I think at, at some point you could say Conte was asking for it, but Bayern Munich sacking was really out of the blue. I even remember what I was doing then. It was just this Ugadi break we were having at home, distributing sweets or whatever. And then I hear Bayern Munich manager has been sacked. I thought I read that wrong. Uh, very surprising. So much to discuss, whether it was the right time. It's such a crucial time of the season to be making these decisions. Both clubs have so much to play for. We'll deep dive later into this episode, but... Let's get to the action that happened over this past week. The UEFA Euro qualifiers. Plenty of games, plenty of stories. Let's just dive in to the top three themes according to us. First, there were a bunch of players who ended up scoring four goals over the two qualifiers that were played. And it's an elite group of players. Cristiano Ronaldo scoring four goals, two against Luxembourg, two against Liechtenstein. His favourite two teams of all time. I think it just goes on to show that Ronaldo still has the goals in him and Manchester United just couldn't adapt to him. It just feels like he he plays these two teams at every international break. A Luxembourg, a Liechtenstein gets a couple of goals and then beats some record. But let's see first if Manchester United can actually start beating records. But congratulations to Ronaldo. He broke the record for the most number of international appearances by a, for a men's player. 198 appearances now. And he seems to be going strong and a great start for Roberto Martinez's Portugal journey. Secondly, the next hero in this four-goal week was Romelu Lukaku who bounced back with a hat-trick against Sweden. I've told you, man, he's the guy for Chelsea next season. You need that number nine. I just don't see anything in him. But if he can come back and surprise Chelsea, I wouldn't complain. Especially given the massive wages he's on and the fact that nobody's ready to pay any money for him. But more than the hat-trick against Sweden, Himamshu, he also ended up scoring against Germany as Belgium defeated Germany 3-2. It was a friendly but still a high-stakes game between two European powerhouses. Yeah, that was a very good game. Even his finish was a typical Lukaku finish. De Bruyne puts a ball in and he just runs through and uh, smashes the ball past the keeper. So, it just seems like signs of Lukaku coming back. You never know what could happen for Chelsea next season. Yeah, I mean, either he's truly back and ends up playing for Chelsea or either he's truly back and somebody ends up paying the money for him. Either way, I'll be just more than happy. The last player on this elite list of four goal scorers the best the past one. week. The best one. The is. best one ever. Scott McTominay, who until before this game had scored one goal for Scotland in 34 appearances and has now scored five goals in 36 appearances. It's a fun fact. I'll tell you what, how Scott McTominay came into the uh, United uh, main team. He was actually a striker for the under-21 team. Mourinho made him, as Mourinho does to a lot of people, uh, as a defensive midfielder. He also played for Scotland in the back three for most of the time. Hence, his goal-scoring record is pretty low. But he has that one... He has a very sweet strike in him, you know. He's given the ball in the right place. He can really strike it very well. So, he was basically a striker whom Mourinho played as a holding midfielder and then he was also playing as a defender for his country. Very versatile, as I would say. And that's why he's so confused. But nothing to take away from him, especially the two goals against Spain. Scotland beating Spain 2-0 is big, right? It's, it's extremely big news. It's big news. I mean, especially for Scotland, who, who seem to have really big names right now, at least in cer- certain positions. Like, you have Tierney, you have Robertson, all recognisable names. 
I wouldn't even put McTominay in the mix of that. And very good to see a big name like Spain falling down to Scotland without scoring. Okay, moving on to our favorite country to talk about when it comes to football, England. Mamsu, take it forward. It was it was amazing to see Harry Kane to be their all-time greatest scorer of, and he's just 29 years old. I mean, if you'd compare him to say a Wayne Rooney who held the record previously, Wayne Rooney wasn't fit throughout his career. Even the uh, goal that kind of broke the record, I felt like they were just arranging matches for him in friendlies, etc. Just so that he could break that record. And Kane has done it in a Euro qualifier. So, a lot of respect for Kane. Yeah, and especially, I mean, if you look at it, Kane has done it in 82 games. It took Rooney 120 games to get there. And even Sir Bobby, who held the record previously, he had 49 and So, going by a goals-to-game ratio, Harry Kane clearly is... uh, Better than all of them. Rooney didn't do anything spectacular for England after Euro 2004. But Sir Bobby did end up winning the World Cup. Can we make the argument that Kane has done... He's not won a trophy, but he has still done significant things for England at the international stage given their uh, semi-finals and finals and again the current but, World but Cup But sure nobody's going to remember these things. Right? Nobody's going to remember a quarter-final, semi-final, final appearance. 10 years down the line. But they'll always remember that World Cup. So he needs a trophy. The same way he needs a trophy at Tottenham, he needs a trophy for England. Otherwise, this will just stand as a footnote in his records. Okay, and before we move on uh, from this Kane, Rooney, Sir Bobby debate. Sir Bobby, we never saw him play, so let's keep it out. Whom would you take? Prime Rooney or Prime Kane? I would, in fact, take Prime Rooney because Rooney was very versatile and he could play in many positions in a in a very unse- unselfish way. I don't think Kane can do that. But of course... You're calling you... Kane selfish? He drops back and <laughs> makes goals for everybody around the I'm pitch. I'm saying Kane could not be a right-side midfielder or a defensive midfielder. Rooney has done those things in certain matches for United. But having said that, in terms of longevity, I don't think uh, there's any question that Kane can definitely sustain for a longer period of time than Rooney. And it's surprising you're choosing Rooney, but United are ready to pay 100 million to get Harry Kane to Old Trafford at the age of 30. That, those are rumours. We'll see if that's anywhere near true next season. But apart from Kane, there was another star this weekend for England, right? In Bukayo Saka. He's just one of those opposition players who I cannot dislike. He was marked man-to-man on man by Mikalenko for the entire match. He had a couple of moments and one of them resulted in the goal. Saka is excellent. I, I There's no... There's no ceiling to a potential that I see in him. I think he could be a great player for England and very scarily a great player for, in a very successful Arsenal Arsenal squad going to the next few seasons. I mean, there are these players who come and who play well for one or two seasons and they can't sustain, right? And then there are players who sustain themselves and become proper stars like Mohamed Salah, like a Sadio Mane, uh, like an Eden Hazard, for example. We see Saka in that list, right? We see him now being a staple Premier League star, right? Exactly. I mean... Hopefully, you never know, right? This is what I thought of Rashford as well at one point in time. And then he had that dip a couple of seasons. So, hopefully that does not happen for a Saka. But he has everything in him to make a star for England. Especially, it's very rare that you find a left-footed English star. You have Foden as well now. You have Saka. I mean, these two could be great for England if used the right way. I hope this is the new golden generation for England that we're about to see in the next couple of years. And finally... Moving from English players to the English national team, they won both of their qualifiers, but the standout one was the victory over Italy, 2-1. How significant was this? When you look at England and playing against these bigger teams, I only see them doing a nil-nil or a 1-1 scoreline. Very surprising, they actually beat Italy. And they had to play, I think, 10 minutes with uh, 10 men. So, really good for England going ahead. Also, but then you would think about, it's Italy, right? Italy never made the World Cup. 
they are in a bit of a downturn so maybe a little bit of uh, doubt in terms of what the england team can achieve in the next couple of matches but really good for them going ahead we know that this england team is capable of achieving a lot but yeah moving on from the england team to the implications on one of the title challengers in the premier league this season manchester city now seem to be having quite a few injury problems firstly erling haaland had to come back from the norway squad with a suspected groin injury and now he is in a race to be fit for the liverpool game which is here on saturday which can be a potential title decider or let's say a title race killer for manchester city correct so the way city play i just feel like they can't find solutions even if haaland doesn't play i think they can go with a you know false nine etc and and kind of figure things out so i don't think this is a big killer in terms of the game they're playing against liverpool so i i think it should be okay for this weekend but what if i tell you that with haaland foden is also now out for four weeks as he's going undergoing a surgery to get his appendix removed i think that's the false nine i was talking about so if foden is missing then i think this will probably become a bit of a uh, unfo- unfortunate incident for man city going to the weekend game because they really are now short of players right uh, on the right wing he only has riyad mahrez now going down the center the only option available to him now is julian alvarez on the left again foden could have played on the left hand side so he's almost only left with jack grealish and city have a crucial run of games coming up it is not only about the game against liverpool it's also the third game from now is the champions league quarter final against bayern munich correct and without going into what bayern munich are going into i just feel the next game against liverpool what might happen is liverpool's bad form might might be enough for a man city to overcome them even with missing haaland and foden it remains to be seen but i just feel like man city will probably nick it by a goal but the funny thing is when city and liverpool played earlier in the season liverpool was still in a bad patch of form and still somehow ended up beating city so it'll be a cracker for a game for sure, for sure because if there is one game where liverpool and klopp's mentality monsters can pull everything together it is the manchester city game so there it is i think we've covered all the let's say quick hits from the international football which happened and now let's get to the big events of the week the two managerial sackings first let's discuss antonio conte's sacking by tottenham so just to recap what happened uh, tottenham were leading by two goals they were leading 3-1 to southampton and then they conceded two goals a typical tottenham way of you know finishing the game it is say. the history of the tottenham <laughs> yeah bringing that quote back from our previous podcast and this is how it ended we we thought i mean it, it is one of those games where you kind of get it wrong southampton do have some good players like a uh, ward prowse who can get in the odd goal and assist to affect the game so that's okay but then what happened was conte came out in his post match press conference and he said a lot of things which were which was typical of conte but he kind of i feel crossed the line he started blaming the players this time he said i see selfish players i i see people who don't want to help each other and put their heart into it and this is the first time players were brought into the limelight he also said it's it's is this is the easy way right tottenham story 20 years the owner has achieved nothing he started asking questions of the ownership he really dug into tottenham like how rival rival you know fans dig into tottenham which is very disheartening to a tottenham fan who i assume is probably listening to this podcast uh, so ayusha what happened you're right himam so this rant was very different because yes we have seen managers of different clubs come out sometimes question the ownership sometimes question uh, the dressing room to try to get a reaction but this seemed like a very personal attack against the fabric of the club in itself right because 
it was almost making fun of the club and calling it not them not winning trophies a part of the tradition exactly. of the club and that i think was really what sealed the nail in the coffin we know he's been unhappy for a very very long time but this almost seemed like he was begging Asking for the for sacking it. and 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 he didn't want to quit he probably even though he doesn't need the money he wants th- to pay off he wa- maybe <laughs> he wanted the payoff and he just forced the hand of the club and and you could even see that the club had not planned its sacking because they still don't have a replacement lined up correct they were probably hoping to end the season with him and then part ways on peaceful terms exactly the contract renewal was never in question exactly. i don't think that was going to happen but they were hoping he take them to maybe a top four finish at the end of the season then hand it over to a manager who had a tottenham mm. in his heart i would say so what do you think ayush uh, did did the performance really merit the sacking it's a very difficult answer to give it depends on what you think of the tottenham team the club did end up spending money with him they spent 140 million in the transfer window they they bought some players in purely from a points and wins perspective if you look at it the club are not very far off from where they were last year so the funny thing is this season antonio conte was sacked after 28 games last season he came in midway and he managed the club for 28 games in the premier league and last season if you look in those 28 games he had 55 points this season in those 28 games he has 49 points so he's barely 6 points off they have scored similar goals last season they had scored 61 this season they have scored 52 so points wise there is not much of a difference but where you really see the difference is firstly in the number of goals the team has conceded where and last season under him they conceded only 25 goals this season they have already conceded 40 goals and on the overall the football has gotten a bit depressing the team does seem to be playing games in a very labored manner and that is also relevant when you deep dive into the statistics so for example spurs are playing more long balls this season they are trying more crosses this season and all of this are examples of a team which is not really able to play fluid football because backing these up are the facts that this season they have almost made 1000 lesser passes than last season under him and they have had 65 to 70 more passes blocked so when you look at this more crosses more long balls lesser passes more passes blocked it just paints a picture of a team which is not able to play with chemistry with cohesion and no wonder you are seeing them conceding 15 goals more even the tackles if you look right if you look in terms of intensity this season they have 30 to 40 fewer tackles in the middle of the park and that's where a conte team really excels right that's where they put pressure they try to choke out attacks in the middle middle of the pitch and spurs have simply not been able to do it this season and again all of this has led to the poor defensive performance a team playing a very laboring style of football and frequently giving leads away they gave up a 3-1 uh, lead up against southampton as you mentioned they gave a 2-0 lead up against manchester city so i think from a pure performance perspective they were definitely worse of this season but it was not as if the season wasn't salvageable 10 games left they had a legit shot at top 4 but who would you kind of put the blame on you have to kind of point the finger at someone right was it the club was it the manager or was it the players for the club i see them spending 140 euros 140 million euros as you mentioned bringing in Mar- who was supposed to probably be a marquee signing at richarlison brazil's number 9 i mean he hasn't scored any premier league goal until exactly now. and that, that's very shocking so i i wouldn't blame the club would you would you blame the club or the manager or the players no no i'm sure i mean i totally agree with you i wouldn't blame the club in this season see i think when a manager is sacked there can be three reasons right it can be the performance of the team 
it can be the dressing room not getting along with the manager or you can blame the club in this case i don't think you can really blame that dressing room because as we are seeing they're almost at parity with points i don't think you can blame the club because Tottenham did everything to build the club for Conte, right? Tottenham are not the club which spends 140 exactly. million without doing a major sale in the market. Right. So the club is not to blame. Conte is the one to blame, and the performance is one part, but more than the performance, I think what merited this sack. Obviously, he forced the hand, but it was just the general environment he created around the club, because he got into Tottenham knowing what is their philosophy, knowing that they will not be overspenders in the market, knowing that this is a work in progress. that he has to build this club he has to move them first make them a constant in the top 4 and then take them slowly to towards becoming title contenders like all of this reality was there with him and he just seemed like a man who was not willing to accept this reality after every defeat he blamed everybody apart from himself and exactly. and i think the sacking was because he just created a very bad environment around the club and i think after that last rant there have been a lot of rumors that he finally lost the dressing room also I mean, and you can't you can't really blame the players, especially when if you look at the Southampton starting eleven and the people who came on. Right, you had Richarlison, po- Pedro, Poro, Romero, Emerson, Royal, Perisic, Kulusevski. All these players were bought on his accord. So you cannot blame these players. You have to put the blame on the manager. Or even if you blame the players, he also has to take the ownership for going out there and signing these players. Right? Exactly. Yeah, and that we never saw that. We never saw any kind of finger pointing at himself. and uh, yeah so i think we can kind of maybe agree that it was probably conte who was at the uh, source of the problem one question i have though for you is yes he made those statements he burned all bridges but should tottenham have just still sucked it all up considering there was an international break in between the players would have had chance to calm down antonio conte would have had chance to calm down and they should have still tried to persist with him given that Tottenham have everything to play for, and everything for them is the top four. There are ten games. They have an extremely tough fixture list with Newcastle away, United away, Liverpool away. Should they? Is this just such a? Is this just a bad time to sack a manager? Think of timing, right? What happened is if Conte without that press conference, I would say keep him, keep him until the end of the season. That's what probably even Tottenham had in mind. Uh, get the top four position right, and that's pretty much it. And get rid of him, get someone else in. But what happened is, I think the way Tottenham looked at it, they looked at what Stellini did when Conte was away. He could manage the team. He had the dressing room on board. So they were thinking on the on one side we are insulted in the open in front of the press. On the other side, we have a backup option of a Stellini and a uh, Ryan Mason who probably use the same tactics and the know-how of Conte without probably the brashness. When they looked at these two options, they thought it's the right time. Let's just get rid of him. And then make it through the rest of the season and hope for that third or fourth position. But you do realize if they end up missing up on top four, they would have chosen pride over having a great manager in the run up to the Champions League, like the final ten games, right? It can it can end up looking very bad at the end of the season for them. It could. It's a great manager who's probably depressed, so he was lost his mental state, and I don't think I'd have that for Tottenham. So you're saying you this was the this. They sh- they shouldn't have tried to make it work. What they did was right from the club's part also. Exactly, put the club first, put the club's pride first, and top four position. I'm pretty sure they can do well with Stellini and. Uh... But on the Premier League also, they are in a tough spot, right? Because yes, they are on forty nine points after twenty eight games, 
but Newcastle are just two points behind with two games in hand. So they really have to start winning those games, as I mentioned, against Newcastle, against United, against Liverpool, and also they have Brighton at home. So basically, those next six games for them are just so so crucial. Exactly, I feel like it can be done. It's very similar to when a Olegana Solskjaer took over Mourinho, right? Olegana Solskjaer is just about vibes, and if Stelini can bring a little bit of happiness in the squad with them already knowing what it takes to win matches. I think it should it should be it should be possible. Even I see a Song Hyun Min mm-hmm. coming back and scoring a couple of goals. So I think Tottenham. I think they'll be very happy to get rid of Conte at least the players. And you know which manager has a hundred percent win record against who? In general, in his career, hundred percent win record. Yes, Stelini. He has never <laughs> lost a game as a manager. Right. At Inter, when Coutinho was banned for a couple of games, and yeah. even at Tottenham when he was away for his surgery. I think before we move on from this entire. Uh, Tottenham Conte saga. We also need to highlight that on a personal level, Antonio Conte has had a tough year. Right, he's lost three of his closest uh, friend. He lost uh, Gian Piero Ventoro. He lost Gianluca Vialli. He lost Sinisia Mialovic. Right, the the fit uh, one of them was Tottenham's fitness coach and his uh, long time friend. On top of that, he had the gallbladder surgery. He's been missing his family because his family has stayed behind in Italy. So on the personal front, maybe this sacking is the best thing for him, right? Maybe he gets some time away from football and he gets to put everything in context and maybe takes a much deserved break also because he's been on this managerial treadmill for a long time. I think yeah, all in all, put together, there are a lot of important things outside of football, and if that's what it takes for Conte to get his mojo back, then good for him. I really hope this break works out. Final question: Where does Conte grow from here? Because now he has built an image of this. Manager who, yes, he's a serial winner. He's impatient for success, but he's and if he doesn't get things his way, he starts complaining about everything. Be it players, be it the club, even when the clubs have gone out and spent money. So Tottenham, he's complained about. He complained a lot about at Inter. Okay, he left Inter on good terms, but still he left Inter. He left Chelsea on bad terms, fighting with everybody and losing the dressing room. He left Juventus on bad terms. So he's kind of built this reputation of being a manager who's going to badmouth everybody, and at the same time, not a manager who sticks around for a long time and builds something sustainable. I mean, he really—it's almost like he has to not take a step back again. Yeah, I think the the economics of football really have to change. There has to be a club which you know probably ends up in a situation where they need a trophy, they need a quick win, they have good players. I don't see which club that could become, but maybe there is something in the future. Right now, as I said, I, I just don't see a club for Conte. In the immediate state, maybe there will be a situation in the future where he kind of fits in the. I think he'll probably have to go back to the Syria, mm-hmm. and maybe if Juventus end up sacking Allegri, he goes back to Juventus because even the two Milans right now seem to be very happy with the managers they have. But yeah, yeah let's see. It remains to be seen. It's yeah. exciting. It's a lot of things for him, but I hope he gets his uh, personal things. Yeah, I think that's the, that's more important than the football as of this point. But what about Tottenham, Ayusha? Where do you see Tottenham going from here? I mean, I'm sure the next ten games will be probably under Stellini and Mason, and they probably announce a new manager going to the next season. Uh, but what are the names being spoken about in the press? It's like that they have a fantasy list of managers like Julian Nagelsmann, who's become free after Bayern sacked him. Then there's Luis Enrique, who's free on the transfer market. There's Mauricio Pochettino, who's the nostalgic choice, who knows the club environment. Deserbi, who's on the rise, and then obviously there's Thomas Frank from Brentford. So I mean, this is the list they have, but the club has to be really careful in terms of who they appoint because the past two managers have not fit in well with the club culture. Jose Mourinho and Antonio Conte. Let's look at Tottenham, right? They are a club 
who function in a very particular way they want to function in a financially sustainable way make profits make money and success almost is like a by product they are not necessarily ambitious of being in terms of being gung ho for the premier league next season in itself and when you look at that luis enrique is an eccentric guy and he is a guy who will not hold back who will want to think do things his way so do, do they go with somebody like him even nagelsman even though he might not be extremely outspoken but still he is an eccentric guy who will want to do things his way so will he really be a fit at the club exactly. and luis enrique will he even come to tottenham considering the profile of exactly. clubs and countries he is managed barca to spain to tottenham doesn't really that's it's really a big fantasy and for nagelsman also he might want to just wait around and see if the chelsea job for example becomes available or not or for example if the real madrid job becomes available if carlo exactly. ancelotti decides to walk away yeah, not a lot for these people these managers to gain mm-hmm. from tottenham but i think the people who gain from tottenham would be deserbi and thomas frank it remains to be seen though because they are currently a part part of what projects mm-hmm. seem to be successful now jump to tottenham or do they wait for another bigger club to open up and especially if brighton end up in the top 4 or end up in the europa league and the brighton administration let's say promises some more funds to deserve will he want to walk away from exactly he's uh, achieved brighton. so much in such short time and just to throw it all away at tottenham would it's a huge risk so and i know you like thomas frank the brentford manager but i really have some question marks over him because again whatever he's achieving from for brentford is almost like a surprise and everybody's taking it and if next season he doesn't do well nobody will blame him but at tottenham he'll still have an expectation of being there in the top 6 like if it's like if he's fifth or sixth he won't get credit but if he slips a splits slips a bit below people will start raising questions so i think thomas frank is a question mark i think yeah, for thomas deserve frank not so a, much it's a big step up deserve is where i feel is almost there you know at a tottenham level luis enrique and thomas i mean and luis enrique and nagelsman i think it's a big step down so it's a big challenge for tottenham to see who they can kind of appoint next season and finally pochettino though the nostalgic choice he's been there he knows what the club environment is but he might be walking into very different tottenham where some of the players he was with are gone harry kane most likely will be gone next season so what do you think about poch i think with poch he'll be probably very happy to see some of the players gone he was pushing for the a player refresh to happen at tottenham and that has happened for different reasons but i think tottenham probably will not want pochettino back i think a lot of board members as well daniel levy don't really like his guts they had a lot of disagreements are not sure they're okay to move past that and get pochettino back while obviously pochettino remains a kind of a cl- uh, fan favorite Uh, so yeah it's it's a big summer ahead we see what happens yeah but i think all of these managers none of them will be eager to sign on the tottenham contract that we can agree on they'll all wait to see how their season ends and how what the job market is exactly yeah. it's summer has to come and only then i think these decisions can uh, go to play as usual tough tough times to be a tottenham fan <laughs> from an unexpected sacking himanshu Let's move to the other sacking in Europe, the totally unexpected one, the totally high-profile one, which interrupted the festivities of Ugadi that you were having. <laughs> Bayern Munich sacking Julian Nagelsmann after he is just second in the Bundesliga. He has just knocked out PSG from the Champions League, and now they have a new manager in Thomas Tuchel. What happened over this international break? at Bayern Munich it was it was a big surprise a shock to a lot of people there was also an interview for Joao Cancelo after the game that he played with Portugal and he was told in the conference that he's been sacked so he was obviously shocked he came on like Nagelsmann's word that he gets some playing time and now there's no Nagelsmann so it's 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 a big shock to all of us 
uh, what led up to the game, what, what led up to the sacking, the previous game they played against Leverkusen. It was a bit of a freak match. Uh, Bayern took the lead as they do in most matches. And then there were two penalties which were firstly, uh, which were overturned by VAR, right? Like yes. the, the referee gave, uh, booked the player on for diving. I think his name was, um, yeah, his name was Adli. He's a tricky fast player and they kind of beat Bayern's defense and transition. And he was side down by, I think, Upamecano once and Pavard in the, on the other locations. Both penalties were given after the VAR review. If you really look at it this way, maybe VAR is the one that got Nagelsmann sacked. So it, it's a big shock. Uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what happened. It, it seriously has been a torrid past two weeks for Nagelsmann because firstly, he was on skiing with his girlfriend. He finds out the news that he's been sacked on social media before Bayern can even inform him. Then supposedly his girlfriend, his relationship ended, let's put it that way. And now from a manager who was looking up to a crucial clash with Borussia Dortmund on 1st April and then the high-profile clash with Manchester City, which we discussed in detail in the previous episode. To now being linked with Tottenham. What a, uh, <laughs> what a downfall, right? I mean, Nagelsmann has had a terrible, terrible week. Fucking sacking. So, Mamshu, let's, let's go straight in. Why did they do this? Because this is the manager whom they really, really wanted. Two seasons ago, they got him from Leipzig. They paid 25 million euros to get him. 25 million euros to get him. Now they are paying close to 30... No, they're paying close to 60 million euros to him and his staff as compensation. After one and a half years, after spending so much money, they're just trying so much to get rid of him. This was supposed to be the long-term solution, the long-term manager, considering Bayern have sacked plenty of managers. They've almost gone through nine managers in the past 10 years. So yeah, coming back, how and why did this happen? I think if you listen to the players, what most of them have been taken by surprise, including the club captain, they said they were good with the manager. They, they don't really know where this, uh, you know, dressing room imbalance, etc. has been spoken about by the club hierarchy, right? They don't really understand where that came from. The vibes were off with Nagelsmann for some reason. I think it's just maybe he couldn't pull off what Bayern Munich expected of a manager to be this extremely mature guy, you know, like being super professional. I, th- I think it's just, it's just the way he presented himself as a, as a youngster. And I think for him, he's also pointed out in previous uh, interviews that he has had, he likes to connect with the players. And I think he was doing very well with connecting with the players, not so much with connecting with the hierarchy. And I think that's kind of where it went wrong. If you, if you really listen to the, to the words they were saying, they're like, the club's trajectory was on a downward trend. Which is true if you see the way they were dropping points post the World Cup. But they were still, I think, a couple of points or one point off Dortmund. And that's the, the game against Leverkusen where they lost. And where they lost with like this freak kind of a match. They have a couple of fixtures against Freiburg. One is DFP Pokal. And they have a fixture against Man City. So looking at all this fixture list, what Bayern's hierarchy has to say is that that's why we, we decided to sack him. We just didn't see the club achieving any trophy, getting any trophy this season. Let's dissect this, right? As we said with Conte, we are saying with uh, Nagelsmann now. You sack a manager probably for three reasons. It can be the performance. It can be he has lost the dressing room. Or it can be the general club environment. Let's talk about performance. Do you think the performance this season merits the sacking? If, if it's not Bayern Munich, if it's any other club, it does not merit a sacking. But just because Bayern Munich, they just have to keep winning. And they have to win by playing well. I think these two things didn't quite go along for for the hierarchy. 
and that's why they sacked him no but what do what do we exactly mean bayern needs to keep winning because last season they're expected to win the bundesliga right so it almost seems like for any manager the make or break is the champions league so yes they won the bundesliga last year they won it by 8 points against dortmund but they were knocked out by villarreal at the end of the day so if you didn't believe in him the time to probably sack him was last year because of the defeat to villarreal oh sorry villarreal uh, pardon my pronunciation but this season i understand he's one point off uh, dortmund so there's a good chance they'll still make up they always beat dortmund in these crunch games but on the other hand in the champions league what you truly care about bayern are yet to lose a game again i keep reiterating they qualified from a group which had inter milan barcelona he beat all these uh, teams they beat psg they have this crunch game against city coming up so again performance wise i'm truly not understand i understand they've not been as great because obviously they one point behind dortmund but again do you really think the performances merited it or at least the logic of the uh, of the board does it make sense to you i i know where the board is coming from when they see this downturn in terms of the performance right they are winning a lot of matches but the performance has not been up to the mark up to the mark of a bayern munich under uh, Uh, Henkes under a Pep Guardiola under a Flick, right? They were used to play with very dominant uh, strategies, and that's not happening this time. So they use that reason, but then again, results is what matters in the end, and they have been winning quite a lot. But if you look at just the situation the club were in, uh, you saw Tot. There were rumors in the media Tottenham was speaking to Tuchel. Tuchel is someone they wanted for a very long time. They wanted Tuchel even before he went to PSG, and Tuchel is essentially a very high achieving. German manager if you if you remove Hansi Flick from the equation i think he is the most successful german manager right after klopp yeah but klopp klopp has another history to do with uh, liverpool but i think that that kind of reside i mean we heard a lot of rumors saying that tuchel has spent the last 4 5 months in munich for some reason so he's right there right i mean i think they had uh, there was also rumors that they had a big call with tuchel the day before the sacking happened tuchel really impressed them with what kind of vision he had for bayern munich and putting all these kind of things together they just thought it is probably time for you know to get rid of nagelsmann and take a little bit of a risk just to get at least a trophy this season so again you you are are you agreeing that the performance merit the sacking i i would probably be midway between the i see what bayern munich see if it's any other club like if a united were having this kind of performance they wouldn't sack the manager but bayern munich expect that perfect performance and hence they've pointed out that reason but along with that i also say that there were other uh, non footballing reasons for him to be sacked which would be like tukul's availability and just having tukul for a longer term we'll get to tukul's availability right let's get to the general club environment you have mentioned that the board was not happy with nagelsmann and we understand that right this is a club which is always confused they sometimes they try to go out of their way try to move away from their german heritage they get a pep guardiola or they get an ancelotti Guardiola obviously left on his own accord. Ancelotti they ended up sacking after one and a half seasons, uh, if I'm not wrong. Then they again go back. Okay, we have to go back to a German manager, German roots. Then no, we have to try something new. So they get Nagelsmann. Now they are saying we're going to need to go back to another great German manager. So now they are on Tuchel. So this is like this is a board which is just so confused. And okay, uh, and then thus there was a rift. That's so why Nagelsmann is gone. But even with the dressing room, there have there are some players who got along with him very well. but there are also some players like there were there were uh, there were news coming out that his squad and his tactics like there were proper scanned images of these being leaked into the press into the media so there was clearly a mole within the team 
there are stories of him not getting along with uh, uh, manuel neuer for example so how much do you think this environment within the team uh, played a role in him going was it I'm a significant not, factor a significant factor for sure i think what was happening in the club with with all these kind of indecisions and you know like like giving great power to a manuel neuer who has always had great power in bayern munich and germany right and then sacking what was his best friend and his uh, goalkeeping coach was obviously one way of nagelsmann and nagelsmann saying this is my team this is how it's done for me so there were there was a lot of rift you could say but then nagelsmann was also given the free hand to hire his own goalkeeper in jan sommer and get things done so i feel like yeah there were factors which were kind of led up to this there were several factors but i think performance was slightly less and there was more of a club factor as you would say so more let's say soft power than the what was actually exactly. happening on the pitch i think this is probably what happened yeah so okay the sacking happened we understand more than the what was happening on the pitch off the pitch things were not fine the mole not getting along with the bayern board the club being eccentric everything was it the right time the right time i definitely do not agree in this case that it was the right time they have very crucial fixtures coming up if you just look at the champions league form itself they haven't lost a single match and that's great momentum heading into a game against man city i think this was the worst time that this could have been done if it was on just so that tuchel's availability is ascertained then i probably understand what bayern munich were thinking but honestly there's probably something that we're all missing right why they decide to take this decision so haphazardly and uh, yeah that that kind of remains to be seen so in my opinion the wrong time to do this i actually have a theory on why they did this now i i really okay let's get i'll get a tuchel's availability i think the main reason they did it now was this was the only time when there was a gap after this until the end of the season there was no gap so this was the only time they could have done it without disrupting the training and every and the uh, training of the players and uh, the preparations of the players in between games so this was probably the only time that's why they did it now but the timing i agree with you is completely wrong and even i am thinking but why now board being unhappy is one reason was the dressing room really so unhappy that things reached the board according to you i don't think so i don't think if you then at- then sorry sorry to cut you but then it has to be tuchel's availability right and i know maybe bind board thought this way but i still somehow find it so stupid to sack one manager and get another in such a crucial part of the season purely out of fomo right that somebody else will uh, snap him up and you don't associate bayern munich to make such a fomo decision i know exactly we're so insecure i mean they exactly. you expect them to be a club who will get the manager they want right yeah they've been super professional up to this point in my opinion so yeah it, it it's it's a bit of a shock so i think we are in, we're in agreement right this was the wrong time to do it yep and, and i think the wrong decision as well you're saying thomas i don't listen do you mean thomas tuchel is the wrong manager no thomas tuchel is brilliant i just think nagelsmann could have headed a long way with bayern this season and the next they just had to give him a little time i agree with you totally on that also i think he has shown enough tactical nuance and he would have really built he was actually building a team we both of you both of us still believe that he would have turned around the bundesliga and will now end up missing the great tactical battle between nagelsmann and guardiola but mixing with was it the right time is also the question now we both agree it's the right thomas tuchel is a great manager yeah. he'll be a great fit at bayern munich For or sure. we expect him to be 
not must to analyze there but is it also the right time to bring tuchel and i'm asking you this because we mentioned again and again the next game is dortmund potentially a title decider after that two games after that is the champions league against bayern munich you have sacked nagelsmann because you believed he would not win you any trophy as in the bundesliga and the champions league but what if thomas tuchel comes in he's hardly going to have any time to train with his players because the international break just got over what if he bottles the games against dortmund and then he loses to city and the so called manager you got out of fomo or is state away trophy less where does that leave the club with tuchel the fans with tuchel and where would that leave the players with tuchel tuchel has kind of proven that he can do a job being you know brought in the middle of the season as we've seen with chelsea so maybe they had that in mind as well tuchel is pragmatic he understands like he can't just come into a team and completely change how they're playing right even when he came to chelsea he played with the formation that they they used to yeah and the 3-4-3 yeah and then he moved on to something which is more of his style uh so yeah i i think tuchel in that sense is mature enough to understand that these games are must wins and i i kind of disagree that maybe the dortmund one is a title decider just because i feel tottenham will I may mean, not tottenham dortmund will falter in the next couple of games against some team that bayern will not bayern are more stable they proven that in the last 10 seasons so i just feel dortmund game it doesn't matter if they falter i really think the battle between him and pep is something to look out for and for that match alone i find very questionable as to why they sack a manager in the middle of a season i mean even tuchel versus pep will be an amazing battle to see simply because of the champions league final between city uh, and chelsea and just the personality right tuchel yes. just being so emotional about everything and then there's pep who's scratching his hairless head so many times to get things out it'll be an amazing match up but again coming back to the tuchel question right whether he ends up losing these games or not let's look into the future what happens if he bottles the bundesliga and he bottles the champions league where would where would that leave bayern munich at the end of the season the club as a whole because again they sacked a manager they've had for one one and a half years at such a crucial point of the season where would that lead the club this could all just end up being a big embarrassment yeah. yeah i think this would be a very big embarrassment to bayern munich what you would see if the, these two things happen right i think at the end of the season there'll be probably leaks into the media which actually state why nagelsmann was sacked a lot of these conspiracy theories which kind of put bayern in the in the right light saying hey no we did this because nagelsmann was this idiot right complete idiot so there probably be kind of these kind of rumors coming along and saving uh, bayern a big embarrassment i i honestly though i don't see both of these things happening i don't see him losing to pep and losing to losing the bundesliga so i feel maybe he'll get the bundesliga and might scrape through pep or might lose to pep and that's totally okay as long as he secures the bundesliga and has some momentum going into the next season all in all i think we both can agree that it was just an absolutely bizarre decision for bayern munich and maybe we'll have answers at the end of the season as to what actually happened but for now uh, pretty much can't really point a finger at what a quick thought on tuchel though Thomas Tuchel the last time his teams played truly attacking football was probably back in Germany his PSG team was also seemingly a very pragmatic team the Chelsea team he built was also a pragmatic team and considering Bayern Munich is a club which expects flashy high intensity goal scoring football do you think Tuchel can deliver it and again he did it at one point of time but the two big clubs that he's managed over the past couple of years he has not done that so with that yes he is german and yes he is from the german school but will he 
truly give what the Bayern board wants? He had to adapt to a lot of things at PSG with just the entire politics of everything happening and at Bayern PSG. And Bayern doesn't have politics. <laughs> I mean, it seems like they do now, but uh, from the offset, before this incident, it just seems like Bayern was a stable club. And just being from German roots probably helps Tuchel settle in very well. Even, at, even in England, he had to deal with uh, Todd Bowley coming in and before that, just to deal with the enigmatic... Um, owner of Abramovich and what he expects from the club he had to settle for a lot he had to kind of settle in in both these clubs and adapt to what they wanted at Bayern Munich I just feel he'll be given a little bit more freedom and everything that he is probably feeds into being the best German manager that Bayern Munich could have so I think this he'll probably fit in well and develop a style of play that Bayern Munich would be okay with I personally believe that Tuchel is walking in with a better reputation, let's say better career than what Nagelsmann had. But I think in a lot of ways, the expectation from him is the same. It is to become that long-standing, stable manager of Bayern Munich. And I really have questions as to whether he will be able to deliver on that, not because Tuchel is a bad manager, but simply because he might not be able to deliver what Bayern Munich, the board totally wants more than the fans and more than the players. And let's not forget... This is also a squad he has to rebuild because there are players aging, there are players that need to be moved out and there are young players. Also, he needs to make a call on like a Gnabry or a... Musiala. Uh, or a Sane as to whether he should keep them or let them go and then grow players like Musiala, make decisions on uh, Goretzka's contract. So, it's it, it's a big job for Thomas Tuchel and... But I just still feel it's a little less complicated than a PSG and Chelsea. That definite, definitely is. But again, the Bayern board has known to also... Nine managers in the past 10 years. They are a club that is also known to be very impatient. Again, I think to cap it off, we both agree. Wrong timing for the sack. Uncertain times ahead for the club. And we truly need to wait and see what happens. What's next for Nagelsmann? Apart from the rumoured Spurs job, what's next for Nagelsmann? That's a big thing for him. Also, what probably is working for Nagelsmann, he probably holds on for until the end of the season. There are a lot of rumours that Carlo Ancelotti may take over Brazil. Yeah. And if that happens, there's a vacancy at Real Madrid. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure if Real Madrid would be totally okay with Nagelsmann. He does have a little bit of a personality. But what Nagelsmann will bring in is a lot of ideas. And I think right now, there's, a, there's an era at Real Madrid ending with Carlo Ancelotti. And they, they are also to, bringing in a lot of young players. Exactly. There's a big project to do there. And I think he would be the perfect man to kind of lead this Real Madrid into the next generation. So, But apart from Real Madrid... I agree with you. I mean, he, he might be the right man for Madrid. That is predicated on a lot of ifs and that's Carlo Ancelotti leaving and then Madrid actually going for him. Where else? Because if you, if you look apart from Madrid, everywhere else seems like a step down from Bayern Munich, right? Especially Tottenham. I think we can agree on that. Exactly. <laughs> but I just, I mean, Tottenham would obviously love to have him. We did, we did yes. place Nagelsmann in the fantasy list. I, I just see Nagelsmann is a very is a is it's it's an amazing you know manager to have for any club applying to develop and have a long term kind of a you know project for for themselves not just because of his age it's just what he did at RB Leipzig mm-hmm. I would also point out to those two fixtures we had the group stage against Man United he lost the fixture at Old Trafford final the home fixture which is a must win for both teams he he won it by I think three goals to one or three goals to two. A great match. He just he knew that United were better than him. He understood exactly what went wrong at Old Trafford, and he completely outplayed us in 
uh, RB Leipzig. So when at the uh, home fixture, so he's very tactically very uh, intelligent, and that's amazing for any other club to have. My two cents. I think apart from Madrid, I agree with you. By the way, I don't think he should go to Tottenham unless nobody else comes for him. Another job where he can really end up, and I know you'll say it's a wish list is Chelsea. And the only reason I'm saying it is if Potter bottles it up between now and end of the season, considering there's ten games in the Premier League and there's Champions League, and if he is in a bad run of form, he can go out. And I think if Potter goes out, Nagelsmann will definitely be the manager that Todd Bowley will go for. Apart from everything nice we have said about uh, Nagelsmann, he's worked in a multi-club setup, the Red Bull Football Club group, and Todd Bowley is trying to build something similar at Chelsea. I think that's stupid. But he'll definitely be very high up on Chelsea's list if and think Walter the, ends up going. And think of the things he could do with Lukaku, right? I don't want to live that nightmare. There it is. Another episode in the bag. This we, was a long one though. Because we were gone for a week. And I really hope you missed us and you enjoyed listening to this yeah, one. Missed us enough to watch an hour of an episode. We'll be back with the next episode on Monday. And Himanshu, what an amazing weekend of football do we have ahead. We have kept on saying, yes, there's Bayern Dortmund, Bayern Dortmund... But there is potential title killer, Manchester City versus Liverpool. And what could also be a potential top four decider in in a game where Manchester United travelled to Newcastle over the weekend. Yeah, you hear it from me first, we're going to lose that match or draw it at the max. But a great weekend of football ahead. That means another great upcoming episode of Pints of Football on Monday. Till then, thank you for listening to us. Please, please, please hit that follow button, that subscribe button and spread the word about us. You spreading the word is the only way we'll continue to grow. Thank you and see you next time.